Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 93 and my guests today are Lamatos from Montreal, Montreal, and uh, they obviously make really cool music and are the musical driving force behind the film Turbo Kid, amongst other things, and they're super talented dudes, and we will be talking to them in just a little bit, but first we gotta play some cool music, take care of some business. You know what I realized? We haven't done junk email in like a month. It's been a while. I know my listener, Jeff Harrington, Junk Email Jeff. It's his favorite segment of the show, and uh, I haven't done it. So we'll do that today. Maybe check out the mailbag. Who knows? I literally have a backlog of junk email now. It's been a month since I've done this segment, and I have, I feel like, a stack of, like, 40 to read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's, and they're all terrible. It's not like it's going to be worth it. But anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Let's uh, listen to some music, and then we'll uh, do some stuff. And this is a track by Scandroid, off the Scandroid album. And this track is called Destination Unknown.
And that was Destination Unknown by Scandroid. And of course, if you want to check out the artists that I feature on the show, all that information is up on the SoundCloud page. So if you just go to uh, SoundCloud when the Beyond Synth episode is posted, just click the More Info button and then you'll see all the artists' links to all the artists featured on the show. And that's the best way to check them out. Their Facebooks, their Twitters, their band camps, their iTunes. It's all very exciting. Oh, speaking of Twitter, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, man. It's at Andy Last. That's, uh, that's me on Twitter. That's just basically the Beyond Synth account. I don't really post too much personal stuff. Although, last week I did proclaim that I just discovered um, Honey Mustard. So sometimes I do post personal things. And they're really personal. I mean, I think they get down to the core of the average citizen. You know, I strike a chord with them. It's true. And, uh, you know, when I talk about honey mustard and stuff, it actually does get a lot more replies than anything to do with Synthwave, but that's okay, man. That's all right. Uh, Listen, let's... Should we go to the mailbag? Do I have anything for the mail sack? (laughs) I don't even know how to run this fucking show, man. I'm trying. I am. Let me check. (laughs) Maybe there should be a theme song for Andy Checks to see if there is anything for the mailbag section. Well, yes, there is. So let's go. (laughs) You've just tuned into a terrible show. Let's go to the mail sack. Alright, and this letter is from the Bazaar Cast. And he says, Mail sack! Because he put a bunch of A's in it. I hope this letter finds you well. I write you from a world where Kevin Costner is my postman. A post apocalyptic wasteland. A fine, well worn trope in the synthwave scene. Andy, I write to you this day with my blight. I come from a world born from fear. In this world, one must learn to adapt. I turned others' misfortunes into a budding enterprise, for you may know me as the trusty Patterson. I am the Fear Merchant. I brave the elements to get this letter to you. I want to let you know you continue to do a stand-up job and entertain me each week to no end. I've already spread the seeds of greatness to a few friends of mine, and they all enjoy the show. Beyond Synth is a great blend of music and good banter. Keep up the good work, my friend. From the bazaar, from afar, your boy, the Fear Merchant. And that was a letter from the Fear Merchant. Uh, read with dramatic gusto by me. So thanks, buddy. That's some nice stuff. He's saying that uh, Beyond Synth is a good show. <laughs> and you should believe him. Uh, I've given you no reason to believe him so far, but uh, trust me on this. Here is a cool track. Let's listen to some music. And also, I guess, check out the Bizarre Cast. I guess he has a podcast or something. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of research in advance, obviously. Uh, here's a cool track. This is by an outfit called Esnikir, and this track is called Rise.
And that was Rise by Esnikir off the Crystal album. And that's Rise spelled R-Y-S-E, the cool way to spell it. And uh, that guy's actually pretty cool, man. That album's uh, good stuff. I dig it. I might be pronouncing the name incorrectly, but I believe it is Esnikir or Esnikir, Esnikir. You know, the worst part is, is that when I wrote him a message saying, can I play your stuff on the show, I asked him to tell me how to pronounce it, and he did write me a phonetic thing out, but it's been lost to the sands of time. So, listen, this one's for you, Jeff Harrington. This is the junk email folder. as you know, I like to go through my junk email folder and read the mail I get there because (laughs) I never have anything to talk about. This email is called Attention. I apologize for any inconvenience my message might cause you. I am Mr. Barry Mullen. I am a U.S. citizen, 67 years old. I reside here in Dallas, Texas. My residential address is as follows. 271 Western Avenue, apartment 303, Dallas, Texas, United States. I am presently on vacation in Luxembourg, where am enjoying my money. I am one of those that took part in the compensation inheritance in Nigeria many years ago, and they refused to pay me. This one sounds very familiar. I had paid over $45,000 while in the U.S. trying to get my payment, all to no avail. I had been the victim of a scam for seven years. I lost my car. I love the idea of that's just a random note. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's been scammed, and then he just starts listing off all the shitty things that happened to him. (laughs) My wife left me. Okay, I've been part of this scam for seven years. I lost my car, my house, and I went through several surgeries. I lost so much to those internet scammers wanting me to provide more and more money for documents and so on. What does that have to do with surgery? (laughs) What is this just like, hey man, we'll give you the money, but you gotta give us your liver. We we need your kidney. I do not know what accent I'm doing. Don't write me about that. (laughs) I don't know if that was supposed to be Nigerian. Might have came across a bit Jamaican. Either way, now I'm thinking about it. A little racist. All right. So I decided to travel down to Nigeria with all of my compensation documents, and I was directed to meet one Agent Matthew Phillips of the SSS and Rooney Security Agency, who is a member of the Compensation Award Committee, and I contacted him and he explained everything to me. He said, whoever is contacting us through emails are all fake. And I'm glad it took meeting with a member of the SSS to clue in fucking Mr. Barry Mullen that he's been scammed for seven years. How long... How could you be scammed for seven years and not realize that it was a scam after seven years of them, I guess, forcing you into surgeries? Uh, He took me to the paying bank for the claim of my compensation payment. Right now, I am the most happiest man on earth because I have received my compensation funds of $5.5 million. 
Moreover, Agent Matthew Phillips showed me the full information of those that are yet to receive their payments. Don't know why he would do that. And I saw your name as one of the beneficiaries and your email address. That's why I decided to email you to stop dealing with those people. They are not with your funds. They are only making money out of you. I advise you to contact Agent Matthew Phillips. His email address is matthew.desk at foxmail.com. It's like a Metal Gear thing. Once you contact him, tell him that you got his contact from me. Email me if you need further clarification. Okay, I need a bit of clarification. So, Matthew Phillips, the agent from the SSS and the Rooney Security Agency, has a list of all the people who are owed money, but is not going to contact them unless some random dude who's been scammed for seven years travels to Nigeria and then reads the list and then emails the people who are on that list? How does that work? Listed below are the mafias and banks behind the non-release of your funds that I managed to sneak out for your kind perusal. What? <laughs> he's, he's, he's just... What? And now it's just a list of 32 names that are the mafias and banks that have been scamming this dude and he's just given me the list for me to look at. I like that. For my kind perusal. Well, there's Professor Charles Saludo, Senator David Mark, Michael Edward. This sounds kind of like I'm reading my Patreon. Chief Joseph Sanusi, Sanusi Lamido, Dr. R. Rashid, Dr. David Coffey, Barrister Awali Ugloglala, Dr. Jim Ovia, Zenith Bank. Hey! That's one of the names from the junk emails I read, like, last year. Agent Mark Johnson, Mrs. Anita Johnson. Dr. Godwin! These are... (laughs) These are... (laughs) I'm literally laughing because these are the same names that they used in the other scam emails that I read so long ago, but I recognize those names. You really have to stop dealing with those people that are contacting you and telling you that your fund is with them. It is not in any way with them. They are only taking advantage of you, and they will dry you up until you have nothing. The only money I paid after I met Agent Matthew Phillips was just $300 for the paperwork. Take note of that. Once again, stop contacting those people. I will advise you to contact Agent Matthew Phillips so that he can deliver your fund instead of dealing with those liars and crooks that will keep asking you for money. Thank you, and remain blessed. Sincerely, Mr. Barry Mullen. Well, thank you, Barry Mullen. Your succinct warning means a lot to me. So, let's listen to another track. This is a track by a group called Fragrance. Uh, They're French, and here's a cool track. This one is called Lust for Lights.
And that was Lust for Light by Fragrance. I believe they're actually French, so I might be pronouncing Fragrance incorrectly. But you know, my French is terrible, as we will discover when I speak with Lamatos in just a little bit. But first, I think it's time to thank the lovely patrons of Beyond Synth. These are the people who donate money to make Beyond Synth possible. So let's now go to the Patreon. So, as everybody knows by now, uh, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. That's a way you can donate money to the show to help out. You can uh, donate as little as a dollar a month, up to the preferred donation of 3000 I think we established that last week. So, if you want to donate $3,000 a month, please do. If you are a wealthy benefactor, now is the time to benefact, all right? That is an important message to all of you. But in the meantime, here are some of the lovely people who donate to Beyond Synth. There's Power85 and Brendan Kellum, Ravonia, Bending Unit 22, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bello, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Russ Nyes, Data Suck, Seach, The Fear Merchant. Hey, that was from the mail bag earlier. Kanaz, Arjen1981, Russell Hugo, Kyle, Night Raptor, Junk Mail Jeff. Hope you liked it, Jeff. Uh, then there's Katner, Girls with Tails, Zychorax, I90RR, Mitch Wiseman, Jeff Block. Hey, that's new. Jeff Block. Donating two bucks a month there. Thanks, Jeff, man. Thanks for uh, donating to the show. It means a lot to me, dude. I hope you dig it. Thanks for your support. Jeff Block is a cool guy. Moving on, there's Python Blue, Eric Valerio, Tomasz Shabubinicek, Common Sense, and 420 Bro, Chris Schmoko. Now, here are my $5 Pattersons. These people are cool, and they give $5 a month, which means makes this show possible. There's Kai. There's Saloya. x Music. Joe and Lando. Roman. Devious Raven. Bobby B. John Eternal. Dougie Fresh. Lame Robot. Mono Memory. Replicant 81. Florence Bullock. Matthew Lister. Simon Norberg. Velingo. New Gat Ninja. Oh, and we got some new ones. We got Greg Smith. Thanks, buddy. Hey, I know Greg. He's a Ulas. Or Ulas. 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 <laughs> I forgot how to say it already. Ulas, uh, he makes uh, he makes some synthwave tracks that are cool. I think I've played some on the show. Greg Smith, thank you for your support. And then there's Blake Peterson, another new Patterson, who donates five sixty-seven five six seven. Wait, did it? Were you new last week? <laughs> I'm not very good at keeping track of who is a new donor or not, but thank you very much for your support. And of course, with the two donations of the beast, there is Hellroy and Lucas Sabios 666, the donation. 
of the Beast. And now my lovely $10 Pattersons. You guys are great. I'll tell you why. Because you donate 10 bucks a month. And the people who donate 10 if you donate like that for a few months, I make a special video shout-out. And they're all custom-made just for you uh, to make you feel special because I appreciate it a lot. There's Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, Fraser Davidson, Victor Garza, Ezra Van Dam, Winfield, Willow, and Jacob Wick. And if you want to check out some of those uh, video shout-outs, uh, you can check out the Beyond Synth YouTube page, um, and that's where I post them. Anyways, guys, that was the Patreon. Let's listen to a track. This is a great one from Sunglasses Kids' new album, Graduation. This is Runaway, featuring S.J. Bravo.
exactly where you are. Oh, baby, be my God, my vision. Be the only thing I need. And if I should begin to fall, your love makes me feel forever tall. Oh, baby, be my God, my vision. And that was Sunglasses Kid with the track Runaway featuring S.J. Bravo off the Graduation album. And you should check out that album because it's really good. You'll enjoy it. If you dig the Sunglasses Kid sound, if you listen to that album, you'll be listening to the Sunglasses Kid sound. And that is uh, how I'm going to sell it to you. Also, um, I make a little appearance on it, but I don't want to tell you where. It's a surprise because I am uh, good at surprises. So I guess all that is left. Maybe we'll play another track and then we'll go to my conversation with Lomatos. I'll tell you one thing, though. I am having a hell of a time. I've been, uh, you know, trying to set up these emulators on my computer, right? You know, I like to play Goldeneye. And uh, man, computers are a big pain in the ass, dude. I could write a list, a giant list of every single fucking problem I've had setting up... (laughs) Like, I understand emulators, okay, fine. Like, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Some of them don't work that well. But when it comes to, like, controller support and stuff, I have... Just yesterday, I bought two new controllers as a test. I got a wired N64 USB controller, because I thought that'd be cool to have to play N64 games with. And I got an Xbox wireless controller, because I thought, well, you know, I've been having issue with my PlayStation controllers hooking them to the computer, all right? It's, uh, it doesn't always work so seamlessly. And what happens? Well, the Xbox controller has a drift, so you tap the right analog stick, and then the camera starts, like, spinning around. And the N64 joystick was terrible. It was made by a company called Circa. I don't recommend it. I don't think there's any third-party company that makes a good N64 controller. I mean, I've, I've been online and looking at the reviews, and every single one gets bad reviews. I was so excited because there was this one by Retrobit, or was it 8-Bit Doe? Anyway, one of those two companies, and they, they made the first wireless N64 controller, like a Bluetooth controller. And all the reviews just say it's terrible. So, <laughs> like, that was, that sucked, because I, I was excited about it. I think uh, last week... During the show, when uh, Beyond Synth was airing on Power 85, power85.com, every Thursday nights at 8 p.m. when uh, Beyond Synth airs, and uh, someone sent me the link, I think it was Joey Bergeron, and he sent me the link and said, check this out, and I did, and then I looked at the reviews, and they're all like, this thing sucks! So that's right, Joey, you can take your recommendation and go fuck yourself! <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. What else? Uh, nothing. Let's listen to another track, and then we'll go to my conversation with Lomatos. This is a track by Astral Tales off the Landing album. This is Atlas Library. (laughs) 
And that was Atlas Library by Astral Tales off the Landing album. And that's a cool track. You should check it out. That whole album is actually really good. So I suggest you listen to it. Anyway, we're going to talk to Le Matos now. And just a reminder, they're going on tour with Carpenter Brute, I think, for the some North American dates. So be sure to check that out. Carpenter Brute is playing a bunch of dates in North America. And uh, Le Matos are supporting him for a few of them. So that'll be a good show, man, because that's all they're all good music makers. <laughs> they're all good music makers. Uh, anyway, let's now go to my conversation with Lamatos. All right. Well, I am he. Oh, this is a good question. How do you say it? Because <laughs> I say Lamatos, but like, is it Lumato? No, no, no. Uh-huh. You're, you're close enough. It's Lamatos. Yeah. Lamatos, like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm here with Lamatos, Jean Nicolas, and Jean Philippe. Is that good? Yes, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is French, but like, my French is terrible. And I, I do try and speak sometimes, but it's really, really bad. I've like, when I have like Perturbator on the show, I do like my fake French with him, but he's like Parisian French. <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. French from from Montreal is like half English, half French. Yeah. So it's <laughs> All I know is a hamburger. Frites. The frites. Uh, most of my French stuff always comes from the making fun of the Paris French, like the. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Ouh, Charles Elysee. What's his face? <laughs> the fucking. Joe Dassin. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my my mom's French, and so uh, she like listened to lots of that stuff. W- you know, when I was a kid, French Canadian or French from France? She's French, France, France, France. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled over that. Yeah, so it was a lot of music like that that I I didn't quite understand. <laughs> anyways, that's neither here nor there. I'm talking to you guys today. You having a good day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so far, yeah. good. <laughs> My brother lives in Montreal, but I haven't been there for a little while. You know which, which part of the city? Not really. I don't, <laughs> I don't know it well enough. I know it's Montreal is cool. That's all I know. You never been? I've been a few times. I like it. I mean, because I live in Toronto, right? And this city is very, even though it's a big city, it doesn't really have that the same sort of like vibrant nighttime that Montreal has. Yeah. I feel like Montreal is like, really like a walking city you can go everywhere by walking yeah and every time i go to toronto you know i don't drive so i'm quite confused the fact that everything is like so far away from like each place yeah it's big and the thing is i i stopped taking public transit because i, I always felt like uncomfortable in it this is like a mental thing <laughs> and so i walk everywhere i go okay which means whenever i do walk i'm walking like seven kilometers downtown nah. to uh, you know <laughs> just to go downtown and i'm fine with it because it's like it's exercise you will love montreal though If, if you like walking. That's my brother's whole thing. Like, he's an artist and he uh, lives a very sort of nomadic life. And so he's always walking all over the place. And I mean, every time I've been there, it's usually been in the summertime. So obviously lots of uh, pretty girls and <laughs> nice weather. And every time I've been there, it's usually during the time when like the, uh, you know, Just for Laughs is on. Yeah. Yeah. July. Like the, yeah. And it's- the jazz festival, I think, as well. I think there was a jazz festival. 
Yeah, there's a jazz festival. Like there's a like a one for French music. There's like one every week. Yeah, like for the summer. <laughs> Oshiaga. There's yeah, that's so much. So yeah. many like free uh, music stuff and uh, and it's cool. Just like after midnight, that there was still like just kind of people walking in the street, and it was you know like there's like restaurants and things open. I mean, like Toronto has that kind of stuff, but it's not. It's not the same vibe. Like the Montreal vibe is definitely. It's sort of. It's like kind of cozier and. Uh, mm-hmm. But you you have something that we don't have, and it's street meat. Yeah. <laughs> that that we we miss like the street meat in Montreal. <laughs> I hope people realize that street meat means buying a hot dog and not uh, something more sordid. And there's no good way to segue from street meat. <laughs> but I want to talk a bit about the origin of the group because I I don't really know that much about it about uh, how you guys formed and stuff and uh, there's still a little bit of confusion on my end because like I watch or I, like I read certain old things and there's like another dude but it's just the two of you now right mm-hmm. yeah so at one point was it like a three person group actually it was the the beginning of the band was with like another member and uh, after that we like added like a drummer we wanted to try like a actual drum mm-hmm. So when we like added the drummer, we find it, it was like pretty cool. So we just like recorded one song of the album that was about to come out. And after like doing the mixing with the actual drum, we find that it was like pretty cool. So we redo all the drums for all the album and, uh, for join us. Yeah. For join us. So uh, we added like an actual drummer at that point. So we were like a four member uh, band. And just after that, like the other guy left and for the, um, the last album, we decided to go back to our uh, original roots. So just like electronic uh, synths and drum machines and samplers and stuff like that. Was all this uh, like amicable? Like there, there wasn't like a fight or anything with the people? Uh, no, like, no, was no. All this- like the original member, it's called Max. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I've been to film school with him and he's mm-hmm. a sound recorder uh, on film. And I work with him like all the time. So now we're still close. It's just like it's a lot of hours to mm-hmm. put like on a band. So. It was just like you wanted to do like something else and just like uh, get this time for for himself and for uh, for his job and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's uh, let's start diving into some of the fucking music here. Cool. So there's this album you got called Coming Soon. We're gonna we're gonna go through the whole catalog. All right. Wow. Uh, from from the start. <laughs> I mean, not not every song, but like- I know, I know, but still. <laughs> Although that would be awesome. (laughs) Track one. Um, And this is a a cool album, and we're going to listen to a track now called 88 Miles Per Hour, which is a cool, funky song by Lamatos. Thank you. 
And that was 88 miles per hour by Lamatos. And I'm here with them right now. And uh, that's <laughs> that's the way I come in and out of songs. It's terrible. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. So, uh, yeah, talk to me a bit about... Uh, about this album, because it's got sort of like an electro vibe to it, especially tracks like I Come in Peace and stuff. Yeah. Well, back then the sound was pretty much uh, distortion was kind of popular. So we just we just fucking put distortion on, on, every, on everything and yeah. just see how it works out. Yeah. When we were started out like in, in 2007 making music justice was like a big deal and like human after all so all the headbangers crew and everything so for sure we were like maybe too much inspired by them like <laughs> boys nice and stuff like that right at first we didn't like do actual live so we were like djing and stuff like that so we wanted like tracks to make people dance and be maybe more like bangers and in your face type of thing sure yeah so a couple of tracks of the album this album was like really like all the stuff that we didn't want it to put like on an actual album so yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like just a b-side and stuff like that so for sure there's some of those tracks that are pretty hard and like with too much distortion and trying stuff like it's like the old yeah stuff. the first album the first songs were just trials and i've been producing m- music before that but I was still in my early, you know, learning period mm-hmm. and I'm still learning. But uh, back then it was like it didn't sound as good as it does now, actually. Yeah. And, and when we started the band, for sure, uh, I always yeah, like tri- trial and error. You know? Yeah, I was always lo- love of music on my side. But I started making music with that band, you know, it was the first time I actually like play synths and everything. Jeanic is like was making music all his life, but I'm more like someone who's in film and stuff like that. It's just because we were like roommates that we started to make music and so maybe that's why like at the beginning it was a bit like searching a sound or I don't know. Yeah. Talk a bit about the the music video cuz that's fun for uh, 88 miles per hour the the uh, the tapping feet. Mm-hmm. It was a cool video. Yeah, the idea was like to remake the uh opening credit of Footloose, the original Footloose. Mm-hmm that I'm a huge fan of. And um, the idea behind it, it was like making like uh, title credits using like names like the actors, but it's actual people's from the Montreal scene at that time, making music or like DJs, DJs like uh, party photographers and stuff like that. So it's all their feats mm-hmm. that are really dancing there with their names. I like, uh, I don't know if you'll get the reference, but you know the way you, you guys look with the glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of a, a group? It's like a French disco group from the 70s called Milkways. No, no, I've never, never heard of it. All right, look it up. I mean, you don't have to do it right now. But, I'm uh, doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's this group that it was like a late 70s disco group, uh, these French dudes, and uh, they just wear like white pants and no shirts. And, and on the their album cover, they have the glowing eyes. <laughs> What's the and name of the band? Milkways. Milkways. Oh, ways. Yeah, like M-I-L-K-W-A-Y-S. Okay, okay. The best song is this one called Galactic Reaction. It's great music. Like, it's space disco music, but it's super awesome. (laughs) But that's what it reminded me of. Once you see the album cover, it'll all become clear. Because it's literally like three uh, French dudes with glowing eyes. Nice. We're going to have to look it up. Yeah, I can't tell if it's like a weird translation thing on their part. Yeah, because because it, it's not Milky Way, it's it's no. Milk Ways. <laughs> but anyway, it's all just uh, instrumental disco music with like okay. the, the spacey sound stuff. But it's awesome. Does it sounds like uh, space and stuff like that? Like yeah, the band space. It's very spacey. It's very. It's, it kind of sounds almost like you know that song Popcorn. 
Yeah. You know, the Kingsley song? It's like, the, my favorite song of Milkways is this one called Galactic Reaction, and it has sort of like a popcorn vibe to it. But uh, it, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is actually good. I like it a lot. But well, we, We'll look it up for sure. But uh, it's, it's. I wouldn't necessarily say it's cool, uh, you know, but I mean, a lot of the retro stuff I like sometimes I wouldn't necessarily say is cool necessarily, but I love it anyways, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk a bit more about this album. You know, there was a cool track called Retired, which was a sort of cover of the Blade Runner theme. I mean, like, the track kind of pulled in a bunch of Blade Runner-y elements, but it was uh, basically a cover, right? I think it's a cover, because it really is, like, the actual... The melody is... the same melody, so... Yeah. But it's like with her touch, I guess. Yeah. It's the Matos cover of the Blade Runner team. Theme, yeah. Because that was cool. I mean, at first when I was listening to it, because you did those Blade Runner-y kind of sounds, it's hard to explain. The drum line. Yeah, the the kick drum, uh, the Blade Runner kick drum. Yeah, we still use that for like the beginning of our shows. It always like uh, follow us since the beginning of our band. Yeah, the low the low kick there, yeah. Yeah, 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 because it sounds wicked. Are you guys uh, big Blade Runner fans? Yeah, definitely. I am, yeah, for sure. Okay, just checking. It's important uh, to me that uh, people like the film. And, uh, <laughs> now, you said uh, you guys both went to film school. Uh, did you guys do the same thing? Jean-Nic was more like in sound design, and I'm like, my day job is like a, as a cinematographer. So for sure for me, like I moved like for the cameras and like lightings and stuff like that. But yeah, we, we both made like a film school. What was your... Uh experience like in school yeah because i mean i went to like i was in a film school as well but it was like a college yeah it's weird because it's not like you don't learn that much in film school i did Mm -hmm. like uh, the actual like film school right after um high school Mm -hmm. and after that i did like something for like a year so you get like more like um professional type of school but since it's still it's not specific they don't show you like the actual filmmaking experience like what you do on actual sets and stuff like that right so it's a good thing to i think it's good for film studies but for actual like for making film it's really like just like the basics yeah exactly they give you the basics and then like you have to learn on the field Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because I found, I mean, with my experience, anyways, like I went to a college and it was a bit more technical, which was good. Like, it, like the, our our course wasn't um, so much theory. Like I find like when people go to sort of university film schools, there's a lot of theory class and like art classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas we did a lot of like hands on time with equipment and things like that. But it's the same sort of thing as like when school was over. It's like the it was almost the most important thing that I got out of it was just the people I met. Yeah. Because those were the people that it ended up, you know, getting you work or like, you know, when someone else gets a job and they get you on that job or something. And that was sort of like the, the, the networking aspect of film school was sort of like the more important thing. For sure. That that's a big thing about film school. But at the same time, is there some, like the specific school I did after that was like one year intense at the end, you have like an internship program. Right. I think like 95% like of the internship 
people get was pretty bad but like um, me I like did get like something really cool like at the bottom of the crew you know but mm-hmm. still it was like for me it was the best to start at the bottom but on an actual like film set right yes you know so that that's the best thing because at that point you meet people that works for real and you you learn more and make real contact like in the industries yeah 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 for sure well actually I want to talk a bit more about this but I think we should listen to another song cool. how do you say the word pirates in French pirate so there's a track here so comme des pirates yeah exact coeur de pirate is it? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like the track, the, the, the thing is like... It's oh, like, yeah, Comme des Pirates. Yeah, the, the track is Comme des Pirates, yeah, 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 but yeah. it's just the instrumental of the remix we did for a girl called Coeur de Pirate, like Pirate Arts in French. She's so, pretty big now. Okay, but, so, uh, <laughs> okay, so what am I playing here? So this... this <laughs> so it's like you, you're playing the, um, the dub version of the... Uh, yeah, exactly. Of the remix. Of the remix of so you Coeur de Pirates. Comme des enfants. But it's the. That's why it's like, Comme des enfants is the name of the track. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. <laughs> so you did a remix for another artist, and this yeah, exactly. is the instrumental of that remix. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But I am correct in that it, it is called Comme des Pirates. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, let's listen to it. Thank you. 
And that was Comme des Pirates by the Matos. Uh, complicated history to that song we don't need yeah. to get back into. But as far as film working on films is concerned, I found that I didn't like working on sets for me personally. Like, I find the stress of it to be really frustrating. And I, I prefer editing. Like, I that's where I function better as an editor and, like... A, Things like that, you know, where you're just in a place in front of computers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But how do you, uh, like, do you like the, the on-set energy and stuff? Yeah, for sure. It's weird. It's my life, so it's it's hard to, like, explain it. But uh, for me, like, my first passion is really to make a story with, like, lighting and, and uh, image. So, and to do everything I can with, like, my art that is, like, making image to like help the director and like make his story on screen so for me for sure it's like uh, the set was the way to go for me and i like the fact that on set you do like you work with different crew every time and every day is like something new type of thing you do like Mm -hmm. same thing but always kind of different because like depending on where you shoot and what you shoot so for me it's like it's the perfect thing to do well that's cool i always found <laughs> like when the stress gets too quick because sometimes there's like a heightened energy you know on set you know especially when like time is running out time always seems to be running out all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so after sometimes that frustrates me that that mentality but at the same time it is exciting because it gets you working too right mm-hmm. so. yeah and you have to do a lot of like compromise every day to try to to do your day because there's like you said the sun's gonna like go down and you most of the time you you need that like available light as well so uh, for sure it's like you always have a stre- the stress that you have to and the budget all are always smaller every day so mm-hmm. you have the stress of like trying to make your day and do everything as you want to do but you have to like cut corners and stuff like that so for sure the stress is hard but when it's uh, what you like the most you can like work with it have you guys done any production on like music videos for the group i co-directed like the uh the 88 miles per hour music video and I shot it and the other one for No Tomorrow the directors were as uh, the same directors as Turbo Kids mm-hmm. and I shot I did the cinematography on this uh, music video as well oh cool 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 and Jeanic did the sound editing ah yeah. cool yeah yeah that was a bit of the idea of like because it was like a way of showing that we like that's our background as well right like I shot Turbo Kid as well like it's uh the directors are a good friend of uh, ours, so I was like uh, working with them on that film as well. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, see, that's interesting. Well, we'll get to that because we are going to obviously talk about Turbo Kid mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit. Although I did think it would be pretty funny to not talk about just because when I asked people, I said like, hey, I'm going to have Lamatos on the show. Like, uh, what should I talk about? And of course, everyone's always <laughs> so excited about Turbo Kid. And there's part of me that goes like... Maybe I just won't ask them anything about it at all. This, <laughs> this whole interview will just be about poutine or something. We'll never even fucking talk about it. Actually, Jean-Nic makes the best poutine in the world. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I used to. Yeah. <laughs> I just got some fucking, like, President's Choice poutine in a box oh, that you make sad. at home. It's sad. And I bet you it's going to be pretty fucking bad, but I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to make it anyways. <laughs> I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you never know, man. The other day, I got poutine from Pizza Pizza. Oh, man. Oh, no. Even pizza, the pizza from Pizza Pizza is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine for the poutine. 
But yeah, for some reason, Pizza Pizza is our go-to just because oh, yeah. my wife always orders from that place whenever we get it. And uh, what do you get, like the barbecue chicken pizza or what? I uh, just get a fucking <laughs> just a normal pizza and uh, chicken bites. <laughs> Okay. I just discovered honey mustard dipping sauce. That's the newest <laughs> thing I just discovered. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Honey mustard's pretty good. I'm like uh, 35 years old. I think I would have figured out honey mustard sooner than now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's my story about honey mustard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's just talk about honey mustard for the rest of the show then. What, what are your favorite dipping sauces? Marinara. Yeah. Yeah, oh, with, yeah. The, with the cheesy bread there, it's pretty good. That's the only thing I like at Pizza Pizzas. Yes, yeah, it is garbage. Like it, <laughs> you know, it's garlic like cheesy bread. I prefer Domino's. Yeah, I don't mind Domino's. I got one just down the street. When you're in the mood for garbage, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta have it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just get acid reflux after that, though. Yes. Like <laughs> no, that's true. I, I I have that right now. <laughs> I was looking and I don't have any fucking Pepto-Bismol in the house. I thought I'd have some. Because I don't know what it is about fucking Pepto-Bismol, but every time I use it, because I don't use it that often, it's always expired. <laughs> every time I reach for the fucking jar, it's always just like, oh, this expired like two months ago. I'm like, fuck sakes. And I got to go buy it again, use it <laughs> once, and then a year later, it's... Anyway. That's <laughs> but you, can, you know, you, you can drink milk. It's going to do the same thing. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could do that, I suppose. Yeah, it's like anti-acid, so. <laughs> I don't like milk at all, but yeah. I noticed. Well, see, that's tricky for me, too, because, like, I am, I think I'm mildly lactose intolerant, like, not enough to uh, oh. ruin my life, but enough to give me, like, kind of a headache sometimes, like. So your chest is, like, having, like, problem with your stomach because you can handle milk or having problem with your stomach because you have, like, expired medicine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. I think you're fucked. Yeah, and let's uh, let's all take a moment to acknowledge how lame my life is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move forward here, uh, forward in time to right. a cool album. Oh, now I'm gonna have to read this in French, right? I want to say, or uh, I can do it in my terrible, you know, like you know when English people horribly pronounce French things. Go ahead. Like uh, 58 minutes pour vivre. <laughs> yeah, but you need to translate the 58. Yeah, 58. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It's good. 58 minutes pour vivre. Yeah, yeah good. All right, Pretty that's, good. That's, <laughs> my French is terrible. Right on. The, the only good French I know is enculé and um, <laughs> uh, what else? I love the because the Quebec ones are all the, the religious ones, right? So we got yeah. tabernacle and uh, tabernacle. Yeah. Calis. Calis. That's all that, I, I love the idea. Every time I have French people on, uh, that's all I ever concerned about is just the swear words. It's always like that, yeah. <laughs> it's a very mature show. Yeah. Well, we'll just listen to that song because it's a fucking awesome song. So let's uh, let's listen to it right now. This is 58 minutes pour vivre.
And that was 58 minutes pour vivre. Pour vivre. I can't do it. I love yeah, the accent. pretty good. I love uh, the accent. Uh, 58 minutes to live. Yeah. There you go. That's the English translation of that. Yep. And that song is fucking awesome. And you know, it's like, it's the French title of like the second Die Hard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that's one of the trivias I actually is in the back of my head. I always found it so strange that like they just have this crazy subtitle and the English one is just Die Harder. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's It doesn't make sense at all. And the first one is Piège et Cristal. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like the first track of her first album. Which means like a uh, crystal trap. Yeah. Die Hard is called Crystal Trap? Yeah, yeah Piège de Cristal. Yeah. But I think it's like because of like of the Nakatomi Plaza. It's like this big crystal uh, right. building, I, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I understand, you know, when certain languages, you know, they might not have like a literal translation, which is fine. But I also love the idea that like, the translator just goes like, I'll just make something up. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, like The worst thing is like, when they translate stuff for no reason, like in Star Wars, Han Solo is Yan Solo. <laughs> really? Like why? Dar- Darth Vader is Dark Vador. Yeah, they, like they dark, change. Like yeah, Dark they, Vader. They change the name for another like English word. It doesn't make sense at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, I never knew that. Yeah, it's funny though. I mean, I wonder why. Like, and it's. I wonder if it's literally the whim of like one guy, just one dude, just like, hey man, let's call it fucking Crystal Trap, and just like, <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> thing is like Die Hard. You can translate that really well. It's like Marfa. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It's like Mardu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't make sense in French. So it has like, and he wanted like a French title. So he just like watched the movie and like get like inspired. But I don't know. The Crystal Trap. Yeah. I mean, that's like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's because like of the all like in Windows building. It's like it's like a crystal. Building. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's for it's, sure it's that. But it's it's uh, it's poetic. I guess. I mean. <laughs> I, I would think if I was the translator, I'd be like, okay, we don't have a literal translation in French for die hard, but maybe we should have either the word die or hard in this someplace or, uh, yeah. you know, I guess crystals are hard. Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sounds good, though. Talk to me about this EP and that song specifically, because that's a cool fucking song. Do you want me to say it again? Sank on Dreet. <laughs> Crystal Trap. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, this song was made for the short film called uh, Tears for Turbo. That was like the prequel for, not the prequel, but like the first short film we did that <clears throat> was like the, this. The this, pilot project for basically Turbo Kid. Yeah, so it was like the action soundtrack of this short film. Right. Sometimes we like to work with like uh, samples from movies because it was about this like post-apocalyptic film, Turbo Kid. So I wanted something from an like uh, a post-apocalyptic movie, and uh, I'm a big fan of Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. So it's the same actor as like Die Hard. So I guess that's why Fifty Eight Minutes per Pour Vivre was like the title of the track. Everything like kind of came together because of that. I mean, I'm going to ask a bunch of really basic and silly questions now because I haven't really read too much of the genesis of Turbo Kid other than, you know, you know, seeing it and stuff like that. And I never knew how involved you guys actually were with that project. I'm discovering all this right now, which is uh, which is cool because I I mean, like from right until this minute, I was just thinking like, oh, yeah, they just got 
you know, Lamatos to score the film. Like that's I never knew that there was this sort of this deep connection when I was going in and I saw that I mean obviously on this EP there is a track called Rise of the Turbo Kid mm-hmm. yep. and I sort of naively thought that like hey maybe the directors were gonna make some film and they were inspired by the track or something because the artwork has you know like the kid with the helmet and stuff I mean I guess that's a really long winded way of asking like uh, how when did the Turbo Kid project start and exactly what is your connection to it and that of the director of the film as well like were you guys all planning this for a long time or whose idea initially was it and all that stuff it's like uh, those three directors it's like uh, two uh, two guys and a girl call they call their, themselves roadkill superstar and it become like rkss now i started working with them years ago before i was like uh, making music with Johnic actually and i was uh, making short film like or a short film with them as a DP and uh, at some point we started making music and they're starting to make short film to and they wanted to go with like in uh, festival and stuff like that that you need licensing free music and stuff like that so they did ask us like to if we wanted to make music as well so uh, we started making music for the short film and right before we were making music Jeanic was like making the, the sound design, design for their for our short films yeah oh cool so yeah it, it started like really we were making films before making music and uh, we started making films and everything with them and we became like really close friends and uh, at some point after making like short film like a fake trailer of ninjas films and stuff like that mm-hmm. there was like this um, contest online called uh, ABCs of Debt I don't know if you heard yes, of that. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the fir- when the first one uh, came out, the letter was T. So, we did, like, a short film called T is for Turbo. And it really was, like, the basic stories of, like, Turbo King trying to kill that guy, Zeus, to bring back this girl with him. And the track, the soundtrack for that was, like, 58 Minutes Pour Vivre was, like, the main kind of thing. Mm. So we did this short film for the contest and uh, we finished like first online for like the votes and everything. But the other directors who uh, decided like for the final, like the three best one from online, they decide like to go with, uh, what's it called? Tease for Toilet. It was like a stop motion animation. It was really good. It was I, think, I think it was like a good way to choose this one because it was really different for everything because it was like a stop motion. Sure. But the fact that the producer from New Zealand was in love with Tears for Turbo. He reached to the director and asked them if they wanted to try to do like a screenplay for a feature film. And it would help them to get like the money to uh, make this film. So everything like started like that. And uh, Jason Eisner from Oboe with a Shotgun was like part of the main, uh, the first producer who was like helping out this film. And after it was like uh, financed by the... Telefilm Canada, who decided to help out this project uh, with uh, the New Zealand Film Board. So yeah, a couple of uh, of like friends trying to make film for fun at like like a million dollars to make a movie. Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> awesome. That. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So yeah, the fact that like we're close with them, their friend, we're always like making music for their short film. I'm always like doing the cinematography of those film. It was making sense that we were like the actual crew at any point like they were asking us do you want to do the film it was like normal that it's we were part of the crew from the beginning so yeah well let's listen to the track rise of turbo kid uh (laughs) now and then we'll continue this chat so this is rise of turbo kid by lamatos Oh, 
And that was Rise of Turbo Kid by Lamatos. And uh, we touched on this briefly, but uh, Jean-Nic, uh, talk to me a bit about sound design. Yeah. Because that, that's something that's always interested me. It seems fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, like, what do you what do? you do Like, when you're doing sound design stuff, uh, a lot of, like, manipulation of things, do you do any, like, field recordings and stuff like that? I didn't do field recording. I just did Foley, you know. Mm. Like alone with my clothes and like rustling shit over in front of a mic, you know, mm. and uh, making playing, a boot from a yeah, wardrobe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we had like a sound booth in a wardrobe. Yeah, it's mostly like taking sounds from banks, sound banks, and like morphing them to create bigger sounds. And I don't know it's a fun thing, but it's a lot of work. 
<laughs> when you watch movies and stuff, is there any sound effects that ever stick out to you? Like, because for me personally, like I love interesting and sort of new sound effects. And I notice them because I'm very, this is me personally, like I'm very sensitive to the, when people like reuse sound effects. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch a movie and someone opens a cupboard and like, I yeah, rec- I recognize the sound of the squeaky cupboard that's on like a sound effects. Yeah, me too. There's a whole bunch of sound effects that I always hear. So there's like cupboard. There's one where a pot breaks, like the sound yeah. of a pot breaking. That's the same in every movie. Really bad comedies that have like fart sounds. They use the same <laughs> four. <laughs> The raspberry sound. Yeah, cats meowing. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the same three that they've used in Hollywood since like the 70s. Like it's the same ones. There's also a woman gasping whenever there's a crowd and like people go like, (laughs) like that. Yeah. And it's the same one. I mean, obviously, people always recognize things like the Wilhelm scream and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have the truck. You know, the the, the truck that's passing by goes, ah, Yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I'm always so sensitive to that stuff. So anytime I watch a movie where there's like a new sound, uh, it really sort of excites me, sort of. Like, I'm just like, oh, cool. And, and I remember like some of my favorite ones. And I don't know if you, you ever seen the movie Legend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... I've always loved the sound when darkness comes out of the mirror and his hoof foot like hits the floor mm. and it makes this really bassy like gritty like crunch of his hoof like hitting the ground yeah and it's just such a cool it's just for the first step when he steps out of the mirror for the first time and reveals himself to the girl and I just remember thinking that sound effect was so cool or the the shotgun in no country for old men because mm. yeah. it makes that weird like reverse noise as it fires yeah even though the Star Wars prequels are no good, in the second one, I don't know if you remember this, but like his Boba Fett's dad, Jango Fett, had a spaceship. It would shoot these bombs into space, and there was yeah, like yeah, a, the sound was crazy, yeah, yeah, and it was remember. so cool because it was like that delay where you didn't yeah. hear the sound right away, and it was like that metallic sort of twang. Noise. Yeah, it's like a flanger thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I forgot about it, but you reminded me. Thank I mean, so it was to me that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like that yeah. sound effect was just like, well, that was cool. At yeah, least. and the theaters was pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, do you ever have that? Like, is there any other things like that to you? Like, when you watch like TV and movies and stuff? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always get like uh, when there's a lot of bass. Usually, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the new films, stuff like Transformers and stuff like that, I always love like crazy sounds effects. Mm-hmm. And I also like um, sometimes like movies. Um, what's the movie with uh, DiCaprio in the winter? Oh, a Revenant. Revenant. Yeah, that movie. I like also like the uh, realistic approach sometimes. Sure. Like uh, to make it sound realistic is the hardest part actually. Like I love like sound effects or um, like science fiction, mm-hmm. but uh, to get it right with the realistic part, it's that's the hardest. And I, I appreciate when it's well done. I just watched The Revenant last weekend for the first time. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, that fucking bear scene is bonkers. Like, holy yeah. shit, that scene was awesome. Yeah. And the fight scene that they have at the end is awesome, too. I love, you know, when they get those tricks going where it's like one continuous shot and you know that they're doing some digital tricks to like blend, mm-hmm. you know, the shots together. But when it's done so well, like in that final fight scene between him and Tom Hardy, like it just, you know, where the camera just turned and he like fucking like cuts his fingers off and it's still like one continuous shot. And you're just like, how the fuck are they? (laughs) Like the choreography of it was so good. And the same with that bear fight. Just that it was like kind of one continuous shot. I think as well, like the the first action scene in the film, Mm -hmm. the fact that it's like one fake one shot, Mm -hmm. it really like helps me to feel what it's like to be on front 
like at war. Right. Yeah. The camera's moving. Like if you're like a bit confused and just like watching, like everything. It's like you're was, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It it works really well. I think that was like something that it was really well done. That's the neat thing they can do now. I mean, like you know, a lot of my favorite movies are all kind of like from the '80s and stuff like that, and the '90s and things, and '70s and stuff. But uh, there are certain tricks now. You know, when people complain about the overuse of CGI and stuff. But there are some cool things that they can do with computers. And that blending of... Like, when I'm watching certain movies where I'm like, I know this isn't one continuous shot. Like, I know that they had to cut. Mm -hmm. But that they can use computer now to, like, blend shots so well that, like, it looks seamless. Yeah. is so fucking cool. That's the way to go with, like, CGI. The best example is, like... I think it's like close to uh, the same year, but when like the first Jurassic Park came out mm -hmm. and Forrest Gump, yeah, there's more CGI in Forrest Gump that there is like in Jurassic Park, and you don't think there's that much like CGI in Forrest Gump, but it helps the story so much. That's the way to use CGI, I think. I mean, on the subject of these sort of continuous shots, I don't know if you saw Daredevil, the Netflix series. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, like in the first season, they do that, yeah, that the, fight uh, scene, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And what I liked was I've been seeing so many, you know, these big budget Hollywood movies where the fight scenes are a little bit over the top and it's always cutting and it's a lot of sort of flashy stuff that with Daredevil, that hallway sequence, I just felt that the actors actually had to rehearse, you know, and, and there's something to me when I feel that, when I feel that there was like rehearsal that went into it and that they choreographed this whole big thing, that it makes it more impressive yeah. to watch. It's almost like when you watch an older movie, you know, from like the 70s and it'll be like this big like five minute scene and like the camera never cuts and it's just sort of impressive that, hey, they memorized all their lines because it's like now with movies, you feel like they say two lines of dialogue and then they cut and then they switch angles and you, you don't get the impression that the people actually like you know had the whole scene worked out at the same time with action you know if if you get like a long scene in one cut for action it's hard to like i like um the mattress mattresses yeah mattresses and yeah. stuff to protect <laughs> to protect no but for real it's really impressive for the stunts guy to do everything in like kind of one shot for sure it's actually more impressive when you watch it it's it's more real you feel really feel the action it's not like in batman begins like everything is like shaking and you can't see the it's you can see anything right you know, yeah, you yeah. know it's just like camera tricks angles and stuff like that you know that they're missing the to it like the guys and and in scenes like Daredevil, for sure, it helps to sell it. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, scenes don't have to be overcomplicated as long as you understand what's happening. I mean, before we mentioned uh, Transformers briefly, and I will agree that the sound design in Transformers movies are cool. Yeah. But the movies themselves, I'm not a huge fan of. They're a little too complicated visually for me, okay. especially like the transformation sequences. Yeah, uh, busy. Yeah. When I was in college and I saw someone did like a CGI test, you know, like when people put little things, little experiments on YouTube and stuff, and someone did like a very simple Optimus Prime transformation Okay. with CGI, so like it looked, you know, like a real truck. And I remember that impressed me so much more because they just kind of filmed the background with video and it just looked like a real truck and the transformation made sense. You understand what's going on. Yeah, because you get yeah. it. Like, oh, his arms fold in and stuff whereas like in the exactly. movies it's like fucking spinning blades shooting all over the place uh, and uh, <laughs> I, it's, um, I totally flying. agree it doesn't make sense it's just like too intense it's like Michael Bay yeah you don't understand what's going on on the actual Transformer and you have to remember the Transformer was a commercial for toys mm -hmm. they were like acting the same way the toy you 
you add it's like folding yes. the same thing like in the same way so yeah 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 the new one is trying to make weird like a, impressive cgi motion i guess doesn't work with me either it's upsetting a bit because i love transformers like as a thing mm-hmm. when i look at it sometimes i'm just going if this were simpler it would be cheaper quicker to do and it would be better You know what I mean? It's like the way that Christopher Nolan uses CGI in his movies. You know, it doesn't do anything overcomplicated. The camera doesn't really do anything that a camera can't ordinarily do. And so it doesn't feel wrong. But when you watch certain movies like Avengers and stuff, you know, or like, you know, Mm -hmm. the camera is doing these really unnatural things. So you just know it's CGI because a camera can't do that what it just did you know like it it spun 360 and then flew under the hulk's legs and then yeah. you know flies up the side of a building and even though it looks really cool it looks it looks cheap a bit yeah your brain i think just tells you like well a camera can't do that so this shot has to be fake because there's no way that could have been filmed mm-hmm. whereas just a nice locked off shot where you just understand everything that's going on in the frame you can just kind of feel more yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's you know you have a background in film. We we work in film, so maybe we we watch like we understand what's going on a bit more than like the main people that are the target for those movies. For sure, it doesn't work with me. But I guess a lot of like people like those kind of things. Yeah, but I I feel like some of this stuff is subconscious. Mm-hmm. When you have the language to analyze it yeah, yeah. you can sit there and, and go like oh here's why this shot doesn't work because you understand technically how mm-hmm. to put it together which also makes it all the more impressive when you watch a movie that's fucking awesome and you go fuck like that must have been hard as hell like they probably took like fucking weeks to shoot that 30 seconds or whatever you know like mm-hmm. which uh, which is pretty cool uh listen we should listen to some more music cool uh, that was <laughs> let's talk about join us the album which was fucking great thanks i think i just liked every single song on this so i'm just gonna randomly pick some to listen to so here's a cool track this is lamatos and electric youth and this is a track called light again
And that was Light Again by Lomatos and Electric Youth. Really cool song. This fucking whole album's great. Talk a bit about sort of collaborating with the with Electric Youth. I can't really remember. I think it's... <laughs> We spoke with David, like with college back in the days. Uh, we were like kind of huge, like Valérie fans and uh, college uh, really loved like our remix for Cœur de Pirate. We're bringing back that pirate story now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so because of him, we spoke to him online. He used that track on one of his mixtapes. So when he came to Montreal to do a show, it was with Electric Youth. So I think we met them. Is it there? I think we, we started working on the song before the, that show. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you contacted them or something. Oh, maybe like that. it's it's like it's, it's pretty. You know, I don't know why we don't it's remember a bit anything. Foggy, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> our memories suck. I know, I know. We were like near like the Valerie Collective, like in 2009. Mm. So we worked with them. We we spoke with College a lot. So I think it's probably like through them that we spoke with Electrocute. And they're, they're from Toronto as well, so they're not that far from us. We spoke with them and we asked them to be featured on one of our tracks. Yeah, we basically had the track all done and everything, and just we just sent it, and she she sent back some vocals on the track. She asked us to down pitch it a bit, <laughs> yeah, because it was too... Uh, or up pitch it was too low yeah we were too yeah. dark yeah exactly so we, we, we redid <laughs> yeah. we, we transposed all the track to yeah. something else yeah two semitones up and then that was that so it's a pretty straightforward uh, collaboration <laughs> then yeah 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 we spoke with them like, like back in the days It's we didn't heard from them since like a couple of years ago yeah talk a bit about uh, the gear you guys use are you do you like using a lot of uh, real keyboards do you like using uh, VSTs and stuff like what's the what's the ratio I say, I'd say like maybe on the early tracks we used maybe 60-70% uh, real sense and the rest was the VSTs and uh, well talking about synths but the drums is all like uh, drum machines and uh you know, samples, mm-hmm. but definitely uh, a lot of uh, analog gear and a lot of VSTs. Um, and the thing is, like, we're the way we make music, it's really like a normal band will do. We're jamming tracks, so we cannot be like both on the computer. Yeah, exactly. So we, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We, we need some, and especially when we were three members, so we're like all like on sense making music, just jamming like an actual band and starting to record like when we get something good, I guess. Yeah, I'd start a track or, or sometimes like uh, I'd have like uh, drum beats or stuff like already made, pre-made, you know, so I just played around on my own and then have something ready for everybody to play on. And then we just jam and find some hooks and then that's it. We, we use a lot of uh, synths. Yeah. I don't know if you understand what Slematos mean. You can tell me now. This is exciting. It's like a French from France. Mm-hmm. Like it's a French slang for gear stuff. Okay, cool. Me and the other member that is like Maxim that is not like in the band anymore. We're a bit obsessed with stuff and gear. Mm. So like making music is like synths and FX and stuff like that. We like to collect, maybe spend too much money on those. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's this obsession that lead to that band name at the beginning. Right. Even like in making movies, like, you know, in my cameras, lenses, stuff like that. I like a bit too obsessed with like stuff and gear. So for sure, it's like a big part of the way we make music and what we like about electronic music is like those old synths from the 80s, 70s and the new stuff. Like a bit of everything, mm-hmm. just trying to shape and play with it. Yeah, the color of the old stuff and the versatility of the new stuff. So when you guys jam, then I mean that sounds like fun. Yeah. Do you have like a schedule where you guys like meet? I mean, because it sounds like you guys must be pretty busy, like with <laughs> just like your actual 
work and stuff like that. So how do you organize the time to fucking do the band stuff? It depends on what uh, task is at hand, you know. For let's say when we did the music for the Turbo Kid, like that was like an intensive month. Like every night, I I, I worked forty hours on a normal job, and then like uh, after that, we made the music for the movie. But uh, normally, you know, we have like two nights a week. You know, that's a pretty uh, standard. Uh, yeah, it's schedule. mostly what we do. So sometimes when we're working on remix, it can take a lot of time because we're trying to do just like two days a week jamming mm-hmm. and practicing sometimes for shows like we did today, just before this. But uh, it depends if if we want to do it like because there was like yeah. Lematos before Turbo Kid and there were, there's now Lematos that came up with like making the soundtrack of Turbo Kid. Mm-hmm. We, we changed the way we, we work since that film. So now we're trying, when we do something, we're going to put like more time on a project. We, we did like another uh, score for uh, a, web, a web series last year. The, the web series out, but the, uh, the score is going to come out uh, later this year. Okay. It was like a job. So we were like working every day for this. That sounds fucking intense. Yeah, but it's, I guess that's the best way to do it. We yeah. talking about join us. This album was like, there's some track from like 2009 yeah. on this album mm. and it came out on 2013. So it took like a lot of time, a long time. I mean, to create an actual album because we were like maybe making music two days a and week. Sometimes and like less. nothing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty sporadic. So it was too long to make that album. Well, it might have taken a long time, but the end result is awesome. And we're going to listen to some more tracks from Join Us. So here is The Stuff by Lumatos.
That was the stuff by Lamatos, and I'm here with the the boys from Lamatos right now. That's kind of cool that both your names are Jean. <laughs> yeah, You're pretty re- French. Uh, yep. <laughs> we were just talking before uh, we played this track then about how you've got these songs that are so old that you know you're finally releasing was any of that because when you have that much time and you don't have a deadline did you feel more pressure to like make the songs perfect or do you feel like you maybe spent too much time thinking about stuff and maybe that was the difference when you were just working very concentrated on the the turbo kid soundtrack because you just had to deliver a lot of music in a short amount of time well yeah, yeah. Well, when there's no pressure basically uh, things don't come out as fast obviously but uh, there's also the fact that we, the tracks were all done basically and uh, after that we added the drums so I had to remix the tracks in order to have the, the real drums fit in mm-hmm. so that was like another long thing to do and uh, yeah I yeah, think that's, that's one of the reasons why the join us came out like maybe a bit like, later yeah, than we should cut up months later yeah for sure but for sure I think join us was cool we just like friend making music when we have time yeah and the fact that Turbo Kid was made we had like actually one month to deliver the full soundtrack not the part that is called Chronicle of the Wasteland no. but the, the actual soundtrack so I think it was the first time we worked like I was not like shooting films or stuff like that during that part of time so we took an actual month to, to work on it so it was like really like a different way to do it and more I know it's like stressful because every day you have to nail one scene or two scene of a film and you have to because if you don't you're not gonna get like a soundtrack at the end mm-hmm. I feel that it's a better way to work for us like with deadlines because when we have too much time sometimes we kind of like you get tired of the track you're doing or yeah. you're yeah and then you would just you know get tired of the track and then you change something in the track and then you, you fuck it up and you don't like it anymore happened <laughs> so yeah I think it's like I love the fact that we I like to work faster and maybe like getting like more intense into it and making like uh doing something in a month or and then after that you, you take a break from making music and you're coming back I think I prefer working like that yeah, I guess you guys have like sort of a studio space or whatever, but how much stuff do you guys do independently? Like still Lamatos related? I mean, like, do you go home and you continue to tinker away or do you try and do your work in the studio? For sure, on my part, I do a lot of stuff back home. You know, it's is, is it about like working with producer, directors and stuff like that for music, yeah. with the manager, like all the visual stuff, like merch, stuff like that. I do a lot of those like uh, management and stuff like that. Mm. And Jean-Nic's going to do like the mastering. Mixing, with, mastering. Yeah. yeah. I prefer to let him like do his stuff. He, he's like the, the guy who's like mixing and mastering. So I prefer to let him go. And I'm, when he's ready, I'm coming back and, I'm, and we're going to like listen to it together. And so that way I'm not too close from the, his, like, his job at this point. So it's the only two part that we like don't do together. Right. Everything else, like making the track, jamming, putting the track together, looping stuff and everything. It's it's we're both in the studios and yeah eating poutine mm, not no. enough <laughs> not too often that's not probably like often. that's bad stuff to eat anyways if you're gonna work it's gonna make you all sleepy yeah yeah you're right it's uh it's heavy stuff man you need uh you need a big pile of cocaine <laughs> especially on no. the video <laughs> and then you follow that up with a sniffle that was good yeah i don't think it's a good way to work for us <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we still have so much to talk about, but we're running out of time for this episode. So we'll continue this chat next week, <laughs> and uh, and we'll focus on uh, Turbo Kid and stuff. Cool. And that was my conversation with Lamatos, part one. That's right, we talked for a lot longer than I thought we were going to. Although the second half of the conversation is mostly just film nerd talk. I haven't had a chance to like go through it fully, but I mean, the first half we, we talked a lot about their music, and I remember... Uh, <laughs> After we talked about Turbo Kid for a little bit, I think it was just like an hour of us nerding out about movies and stuff. So anyways, <laughs> you can look forward to that next week. It's weird because I didn't intend Beyond Synth this season to do so many two-parters, but I already know there's a few more coming up. I don't know if people have a problem with two-parter. I mean, I like them because you get to hear from the guests for a lot longer, but it wasn't my intention. It just turned out that way. A lot of guests I ended up chatting with, we just chatted for so long that it just didn't fit in one show. And that's all I have to say. So tune in next week to part two of my conversation with Lamatos and uh, for more great music on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Have a lovely weekend. Let's